This song is loosely based on Psalm 51, which is a prayer of restoration. The name of the song is Restore My Soul. Isn't that a beautiful song? To think of how many times maybe we've pushed against God or the times that we've failed, yet His mercy and His grace continues to extend a hand out there. Even though what has happened in our life, we deserve even worse than what's happened in our life. God extends His hand out there to rescue us, to save us. If you haven't accepted the Lord, boy, I tell you, I encourage you to accept God's grace of His sacrifice on the cross, that He died in our place so that we could go to heaven. Amen to that. And then the fact is that He wants to stand with us and we should stand with Him. Uh, the word paraclete means to stand with or to walk beside. And the fact, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, God walks with you. And uh, boy, we can, we, we are, that's a great team. Amen to that. We talk about teams around here. That's the best team we can ever have. 
I think it's Ecclesiastes, is it, that says that a three-chord strand is not uh, easily broken. And in a marriage and, and a family, how important it is for us to have Jesus Christ as the center of our families. We've had a family conference here, and the Woods have been a part of that. They've always been a treat to us here at Westside Baptist Church. And I'm telling you what, uh, this morning's message, God got a hold of my heart. And I hope that you will listen very intently as Brother Wood speaks to us. Brother, you've come now. Thank you so much for you and Debbie being with us in the conference you gave to our folks last couple of days. Well, amen. It is a blessing to be back with you here this morning and looking forward to what God is going to do through His Word here this morning in the service. We had a wonderful time of fellowship when we got in town the other night with Pastor and his wife. And you have a dear pastor and wife. Amen. And I know you all are thankful for them. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in His Word here this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 20. And I just want to look at one verse here this morning, and that is verse 12. And I said in the early service, I believe that one of the most needed messages across America today in regard to the family is a message I want to share with you here this morning. Not because it's a message I'm preaching, but because of the truth of the Word of God that I think we really need to hear in the culture and day and time in which we are living. So look with me, if you would, at Exodus chapter 20, and I will read this one verse, verse 12. The Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Honor thy father and thy mother. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And if you're sitting next to your husband or wife or your family, reach over and hold hands with each other. We been emphasizing family this weekend. So as we pray, join hands together, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you and praise you, and thank you, God, for this time in your house. Lord, we know we're not here by accident. We're here by divine appointment. Father, we know that your Holy Spirit wants to speak to our hearts and change us and conform us into the image of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would touch our hearts Help us, Lord, to be broken, I pray, God, in our relationship with you, broken in our relationship with each other. And, Father, I pray you'd reconcile relationships that need to be reconciled. I pray that sin would be confessed and repented of. And, Lord, if there are those here today that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that you would draw them to yourself and they would be gloriously saved. Lord, I want to thank you now in advance for all that you're going to do in the next few moments. We pray, we ask these things, agreeing together. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Perhaps one of the greatest saints of yesteryears, a man by the name of Dwight L. Moody. And Dwight L. Moody was a great preacher of the Word of God, a great teacher of the things of God. And I'm sure during his time, he had counseled in ministry hundreds and hundreds of families. And I had read a biography about him several years ago, and I came across a statement that he made when he was 60 years old, and it kind of jumped off the page at me. And really gripped my heart. And the statement is this. He said, I've lived 60 years and I've learned one important thing in life. That no man, he says, who dishonors his father or mother will ever prosper in life. Here's Dwight L. Moody, great preacher, great teacher of the things of God. It said that I've lived 60 years and I've learned that no man, he says, no woman, no person who dishonors the mother and father will ever prosper in life. And friends, I found the same to be true in my experience also in counseling families through the years. That is, you show me a man, show me a woman, show me a child who dishonors their parents, and I'll show you someone who has poverty of peace, poverty of joy, and many times even poverty 
of possessions. But you show me a man, you show me a woman or someone who obeys this command, and I'll show you someone that even though they might not have prosperity as the world views prosperity, they have a peace, they have a joy in their soul that you'll never have without obeying this command to give honor to your father and give honor to your mother. We're looking at Exodus chapter 20, and we're looking at verse 12. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 is a transitional verse. What I mean by that is the first commands that God gives has to deal with the vertical relationship of man to God. And then he comes on this command to give honor to your father and mother, and he starts dealing with the horizontal relationships of man to man. I don't believe it's any accident that God puts this command as the very first command. God wants us to understand that we will learn to give no greater honor to a holy God than we learn to give honor to our own father and to our own mother. So this is serious business with God when he tells us to give honor to father and to give honor to our mother. I was uh, doing a marriage conference, I remember years ago, there near Chattanooga, Tennessee. My wife and I were in the car. We were driving up to the little lodge where we were going to have the conference, and we got there several hours early. And I noticed something as we were driving up that I hope my wife didn't notice, but she did. And it was a little crafts village. I try not to notice those kind of things. Amen? But she noticed it. I knew she would. And we got there a little bit early, and I knew the question was going to come, and it did. And she said, Sam, we've got a little bit of time. Can we go down and look in the crafts village? I thought a little retail therapy wouldn't hurt her. When we got back, I thought she must have been in intensive care. Amen? But I, I remember <laughs> I remember when I got down to this little store at this crafts village, I pulled my car up in front of this first little store. And we got began to get out of the car. And as I got out of the car, this woman came out of the front door I guess she was the most outgoing woman I'd ever met in my life. She was a very nosy woman. She asked us who we were, where we were from, what we do. And she kept asking us all these different questions. And then she came down off her porch, and she came around to the back of my car. I didn't know what she was doing. And she stopped, and she pointed to her front porch, and she said, Preacher, she said, if you'll notice, I collect license plates. And I looked up there, and there were license plates from all these different states. And then she looked straight at me, and she said, Preacher, I don't have a North Carolina license plate. I thought, you're not going to get a North Carolina license plate either. I thought maybe she had a screwdriver in her back pocket was going to try to take it off or something. You know, I didn't know. But then she directed her attention straight from me to Debbie. And she looked at Debbie and asked her this question. She said, does he practice what he preaches? I thought, my soul, let's just get out of here. I've had enough. Amen. (laughs) But I was reminded that day of something. Folks, people don't care so much about who you say you are as they do who you are. Amen. And a lot of people say they're Christians, even though their life does not reflect that testimony of being a Christian. But as she asked that question, as I thought on these verses, I thought, you know, the hardest place. Listen, folks, the hardest place to live out your Christianity is in your home. You see, you can come to church and you can put a smile on your face and you can fake out those in church. You can go out into the workplace. You can fake out people in the workplace, but you can't fake out Listen, sir, you can't fake out your wife. She knows how much you love Jesus Christ. You can't fake out your husband. He knows how much you love Jesus Christ. And mom and dad, listen, you may try, but you can't fake out your children either. Your children, your grandchildren even know how much you love the Lord Jesus Christ. The hardest place to live out your Christianity is in your home, and it starts right here. With this command to give honor to your father and to your mother. You say, preacher, what does the word honor mean anyway? Well, the word honor means to esteem someone in a high position in your life. 
to count them as a priceless treasure unto yourself. It's as though if I had $5,000 and I could go down to a Thomas Kincaid art gallery and I could purchase a $5,000 painting to put in my house. If I purchased that painting, I wouldn't take it and put it in the back room. I wouldn't put it in the bathroom. I'd put it in the living room where everyone could see that painting because it has great value to me. I esteem it as a priceless treasure unto myself. In the same way, God is saying that we are to give honor to our father and our mother. We're to esteem them in a very high position in our life. Now, let me stop here at this point because some of you may be sitting here this morning and and you're beginning to think, well, preacher, this is a good message for the teenagers. Preacher, this is a good message for the kids. But I'm 40 years old, or I'm 60 years old, or I'm 75 years old. This doesn't really apply to me. Well, I want to remind you here this morning, the Bible says to give honor to your parents. It doesn't say to give honor to them until you're 16. It doesn't say honor your parents until you're 30 years old. It doesn't say honor your parents until you're 50 years old. The Bible says to honor your parents. And folks, I believe that's until you die. And I have found that some of the people who have the greatest problem with giving honor to their parents are not the children. They're not the teenagers, but they're grown adults. And we've counseled many husbands, many wives, many parents who have problems with their children. And one of the reasons they have problems with their own children giving honor to them is they are not giving honor to their parents. This is a sin that has been in their life for many years, and they've never confessed, they've never repented of it, never gotten it right, and it's passed on even down to their children. As I begin to think on ways that we're to honor our parents as far as the Bible is concerned, I thought of several ways, and I want to share them with you this morning, that I believe that God is saying that we should give honor to our father and give honor to our mother. I believe the first way we honor our parents is by the life that we live. By the life that we live. Now, let me say here this morning, you're either living a life that's honoring and pleasing to God, or you're living a life that's dishonoring and displeasing to God. And if you're living a life that's honoring and pleasing to God, then you're living a life that's honoring and pleasing to your father and mother. But if you're living a life that's dishonoring and displeasing to God, then you're living a life that's dishonoring and displeasing to your father and to your mother. I have four sons. And if they were sitting on this front pew, Josh, Daniel, Adam, Philip, if they were sitting right there on that pew this morning, they looked up at me and said, Dad, what's the greatest way I could give honor to you? Dad, what's the greatest way I could give honor to Mom? I would say, Josh, Daniel, Adam, Philip, the greatest way you can give honor to your father, the greatest way you can give honor to your mother is by living a life that's honoring and pleasing to God. If you're living a life that's honoring and pleasing to God, then you're living a life that's honoring and pleasing to your father. And to your mother. Now, let me stop here this morning and shock maybe some of you into reality concerning sin here a little bit this morning because I believe we all tend to categorize sin. And if I had a scale from one to ten here this morning, one being the lesser sin, ten being the greater sin, and I would have mentioned certain sins, we would tend to put them on this scale from one to ten and categorize these sins. For example, if I were to mention the sin of abortion. You say, preacher, that's a horrible sin. Millions of babies have been killed, murdered through abortion. You say, preacher, I would put that over here at a 10. That's a tragedy in America. And I would agree with you, that's a horrible sin. You say, preacher, how about the sin of homosexuality? You say, preacher, certainly that's an abomination to God. That ought to be here close to a 10, too. You say, preacher, that's a a pretty bad sin. Let me stop and say this. We ought to hate the sin, but we ought to love the sinner. Amen? 
we're going to try to win them to Jesus Christ. But if I were to mention this sin of dishonoring your parents, you say, Preacher, that's a bad sin, but certainly it's not as bad as these other sins you just mentioned a while ago. Friends, I want to remind you in God's eyes, it's just as bad. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 1 and look with me, if you would, at verse 28. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. And look what Paul has to say here in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. God speaking about man says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of television, excuse me, of evil things, Look at the next three words here. Disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable and merciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of what, church? They're worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I believe that's a commentary on America today. But I want you to notice where it puts this sin of dishonoring parents. Notice it says in verse 30, disobedient to parents. You say, well, preacher, it doesn't say dishonoring parents. Well, disobedience is a natural heart condition of a person who is dishonoring toward their mother and father. It's one and the same. And God puts this right in the heart of all these other abominations to God. And friends, let me remind you here this morning, God hadn't changed his mind. Man wants God to come to man's standard, but God said, this is my standard and my standard has not changed. He feels the same way about it today as he did when it was penned. Many thousand years ago. But I want you to notice also, turn with me if you would to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about dishonoring parents is indicative of perilous times before the return of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look with me if you would at verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, here it is, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such do what, church? Turn away from them. And folks, listen, I believe we live in that day. I believe we're living in the days before the return of Jesus Christ. And in my counseling with many, many families, I've never seen a time where I've seen so many children, even grown adults, that have bitterness and unforgiveness toward their parents. And I believe as a result, we have raised a generation of Americans who have no respect for authority. They've not learned respect for their parents. They've not learned to the authority of their parents, so they have no respect for any other authority. Turn with me one other place. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. This was the text of our conference here on Friday and Saturday night this week. Ephesians 6 verse 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. And folks, I believe just like they have On the side of a pack of cigarettes, it says, Warning, smoking these cigarettes may be hazardous to your health. I believe every home ought to have a big sign in it somewhere on the wall that says, Warning, 
Disobeying, dishonoring your parents may be hazardous to your health. I believe every public school ought to have a sign in it somewhere that says, Warning, disobeying, dishonoring your parents is hazardous to your health. Is that not what the Bible says? The Bible says there's a twofold blessing to that child who obeys and honors their parents, but God has much to say in the Word of God about the judgment of God, the curse of God, upon that child who does not. You say, preacher, this all sounds good. But you don't understand. Preacher, you don't understand. If you had the parents I did, preacher, if you grew up in the home with a father and mother I did, you wouldn't be standing up there talking about giving honor to your mom and dad. Preacher, you don't understand how bad my mom and dad hurt me. You don't understand what my mom and dad did to me. You want me to count them as a priceless treasure unto myself? Then you don't know my past. You don't know the home that I lived in. I don't remind you of something here this morning. Continuing to nail them to the cross is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt you physically. It'll hurt you emotionally, and it'll hurt you spiritually, and you'll walk with God. And even if you have children and grandchildren, and them giving honor to you. Folks, listen, this is serious business with God. You see, this thing of honor is kind of like a two-sided coin. On one side, you've got the word honor. On the other side, you've got the word respect. The word respect means to look back on. And certainly, all of us should hopefully be able to look back on our past, look back on our upbringing, look back on our parents, and give respect to them. But you say, preacher, if I look back, if I give respect and I look back, it hurts. Because my mom and dad hurt me as I was growing up. Now, folks, you've got a choice to make if that's your situation. You've got a very, very important choice to make. But I want to remind you of something here this morning. Listen, the highest form of love is to give honor to someone who doesn't deserve it. Let me say that again. The highest form of love is to give honor to someone who doesn't deserve it. You see, God paved the way. Amen. He looked at us. He looked at us in our depravity. He looked at us in our sinful condition. Without hope, folks, it's, we have no hope without Jesus Christ. Amen. And God showed His grace and God showed His love and God showed His mercy in that He sent His Son, God in flesh, God incarnate, born of a virgin, who, went, who lived on this earth, a sinless life, kept the law that we could not keep, died a death for our sins on the cross, shed His blood in our place as an atonement for our sin. We didn't deserve it, amen? We didn't deserve it at all. But He died in our place that we might have forgiveness of sin, that we might become the bride of Christ, that we might become the children of God. Folks, listen. The highest form of love is to give honor to someone who doesn't deserve it. If you say that you have the love of God, if you say that you know God and you have His love in you and you won't forgive your parents, then the Bible says you're a liar. Now listen, don't get mad at me. First John chapter 4, verse 20 says, If someone says, I love God and I hate my brother, then you're a liar. God says it doesn't go together. If you have been forgiven by my Son, Jesus Christ, and you have experienced my love, you have experienced my grace, if you have experienced my forgiveness then you will forgive others. You'll forgive your mother. You'll forgive your dad. You'll forgive your brother and sister in Christ. If you won't forgive them, then you don't know my love because my love is a forgiving love. I remember years ago, I was preaching a revival meeting in Moorhead City, North Carolina. I was on a Tuesday night and 
I remember I was preaching on forgiveness and on this side of the church over here at the end of a pew was a lady sitting there and I noticed she began to cry during the service. I knew she was under conviction. The Holy Spirit was convicting her. At the invitation, she came down and she knelt at the altar and she began to pray. She left the service that night. I didn't get a chance to talk to her, but the next night, as I was out in the lobby, she came up to me and she said, Preacher, can I talk to you a minute? And I said, Yes, you can. And she began to tell me what had happened the night before. She said, Preacher, I grew up in a home where my dad and mom, they used drugs. My dad abused me as a little girl. She said, Preacher, when I was three years old, my mother left me and she left home and left me with my dad. She said, Preacher, I've hated my father all my life for all the things he did to me. She said, Preacher, he's lived across town and I hadn't talked to him in over 20 years. She said, Preacher, last night God broke my heart. She said, Preacher, last night, God said, you need to get this right with your father. She said, Preacher, I went home last night and I picked up the phone to call my dad. I didn't know what I was going to say to him exactly, but I knew God had told me I needed to call him and I needed to get this right. And when he answered the phone, he, she said, I said, Daddy, Daddy, would you forgive me for how I've treated you all these years? She said on the other end of the phone, my dad began to cry. Through his tears, he said, Honey, how could you forgive me for all those horrible things I did to you? She said, Preacher, today I met my father at lunch. And I told him about the Lord Jesus Christ. I told him how I'd been forgiven and how I needed to forgive him. And I shared the Lord Jesus Christ with him today at lunch. She said, Preacher, I put my arms around his neck. And he put his arms around my neck and we hugged each other. And I told him I loved him. And, and Preacher, it was like a thousand pounds fell off my back. She said, Preacher, she said, I felt like I was just set free. And I was reminded of the verse in Proverbs that says, Before honor is humility. And folks, if we're not careful, listen, folks, we're not going to see revival in our homes and our families without becoming humble before God and each other. We're not going to see revival in our churches until we become a humble people. God said, I'll resist the proud. But I'll give grace to the humble. Listen, folks, I believe the first way, whatever age we may be here today, the first way that we honor our parents is by the life that we live. What kind of life are you living today? Are you living a life of secret sin? Is there sin that God, through His Holy Spirit, is putting His finger on in your heart this morning that you need to confess and repent of to God? Is there bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart that you need to get right with a mom or dad or some other brother and sister in Christ? Are you living a life that's honoring and pleasing to God? Oh, the first way we honor our parents is by the life that we live. But let me say, secondly, we honor our parents also by the loads that we lift. By the loads that we lift. Now, let me talk to the young people that may be in this auditorium here this moment, for a minute this morning. If I were to go into your, ha- in your house, in your bedroom, some of your bedrooms look like a city dump lookalike contest. Amen? And the problem is, some of you'd win. Some of you wouldn't pick up your clothes until they invented a vacuum cleaner that would suck them up. And you wouldn't do it then unless you could ride it. You know what I'm talking about. Now listen, mom and dad work hard. They work hard during the week to provide for you the best they can. They're doing the absolute best they can to provide for you. And one of the ways, very practically speaking, you can show honor to them 
is by lightening the load around the house. What I'm saying is pick up your clothes, make up your bed, vacuum your carpet, cut the grass, wash the car, do the dishes. Amen, mom and dad? Y'all want to, y'all want to add some to that list? Amen. And listen, they shouldn't have to beg you to do it. You ought to do it because you love them. You ought to do it because you want to show and demonstrate honor to your father and mother. Oh, you ought to be load lifters for your parents when you're young. But let me say this too. We ought to be load lifters for our parents as they get older too. As they get older. Satan is, I believe, trying to destroy the family in every way he can. And while we're facing this particular attack on this front... He comes around through the back door something new on the other front. And I believe he's coming through the back door something new in America. It's really not new, but it may be new to you. It's called euthanasia. You say, preacher, what is euthanasia? That's a society that comes to the point where they no longer believe that their precious elderly parents are any value anymore and they're expendable. You say, preacher, that would never happen in America. Folks, listen, I never thought we'd kill 50 million babies in America either, did you? And if we can do that, we can do something called euthanasia. And there is an agenda, folks, listen to me. There's an agenda for euthanasia in America. You say, preacher, I'd like to lighten the load for my elderly parents. But you don't understand. Preacher, when I go into my mom and dad's house, they're in their 80s now, and my mom wears a diaper. And preacher, I have to help her change that diaper, and that just kind of grosses me out. But you don't understand, when I go to mom and dad's house, my, they're elderly now. My dad, when he talks, he just kind of slobbers out the sides of his mouth, have to take a rag and wipe it off his face. And preacher, that just is, that's hard. That's, that just kind of grosses me out, preacher. But you don't understand, when I go to mom and dad's house, they just kind of babble on and on and on and say the same things over and over again. But you don't understand. I think I do understand. Listen, when you were a little baby, they wiped your messy bottom, Amen. When you're a little boy or girl, and you slob it all over yourself, they wiped it off of you and loved you. Listen, I know how it is to have somebody babble on and on and ask the same things over and over again. I had four boys, amen? And folks, listen to me. One of the great ways you can honor your parents is by lightening their load. Make it as easy as you can on them as they get older. Amen? Folks, listen, we honor our parents by the life we live. We honor our parents by the loads we lift. Let me say thirdly and lastly and very, very importantly, we honor our parents by the love that we lavish on them. We honor our parents by the love that we lavish on them. I remember about 35 years ago, I came home from work one day and Debbie had been to the doctor and she had a big smile on her face and she said, guess what? And I knew what, we was going to have our first child. I was so excited over the next six months, I had to learn how to breathe all over again. Y'all ever went through those classes, you know, back then? I remember the day came that we were going to have our first child. I was in the delivery room, and the doctor delivered that precious little boy. We called him Josh. And I thought, what a miracle of God. I was so excited. My first son was born. I remember the next week, we had a nursery, and we had a crib in the nursery, a rocking chair in the nursery, and every night, I'd go in that nursery and pick up that little boy and put him on my shoulder, and I'd rock him forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards in that rocking chair, and I'd lavish love all over that little boy. 
I loved him so much. And I, I remember praying. I'd say, God, I'd be willing to die for this little boy. I love him so much. You moms and dads, you know what I'm talking about. I thought, how much more should I be willing to lavish that same kind of love back on a precious mother or father? In 1983, I got a phone call when I was living in Kingsport, Tennessee, that I never expected to get. I certainly didn't want to get. And you're never prepared to get. They let me know that my dad had just passed away. I remember I went back on the back deck that day in my house and sat down on the steps and I began to cry. And as I cried, I began to think of some of the memories I had with my dad. I thought back how we used to live on a little farm right outside of Lynchburg, Virginia. In the morning, my dad would get my brother, who's three years older than I am. He would tell us where he wanted some post holes dug around a certain field on this farm. And we'd go out about six o'clock in the morning. We'd start digging these post holes. And we had the post hole diggers that have two handles. We didn't have the kind on the back of a tractor, amen? We, we had the kind with two handles and a metal bar if the ground was hard. And we would go down at 6 in the morning and start digging those post holes. And I can remember about an hour later, I'd see my dad coming down toward us through the field in the distance. As he got closer, I noticed he had a folding chair under his arm. And as he got close to us, he stopped and he would unfold that chair, turn around backwards, and he would sit in that chair. And he would tell us how to dig those holes. I used to hate that. But folks, listen, I'd give about anything I own if I could have my dad walk through that back door this morning with a folding chair under his arm and come down this aisle one more time and unfold it and sit right there and say, Preach, son, preach, I'm proud of you. If I could just see him one more time. He used to take me to a little place called Jack's Place. We'd go there and we'd buy some chili beans or hot dog and RC cola. And we'd go down to the barn. And we do something my dad would call stump setting. My dad weighed over 300 pounds. He took a great big old stump to set on. I was just a little fella. I just took a little tiny stump. And we'd set on those stumps. And my dad would talk to me. He'd say, Preacher, sound like you had a great dad. I believe I did have a great dad, but I didn't, I didn't have a perfect dad. Till I was 13 years old, my dad was a drunkard. I'm the youngest of eight children. I can remember when my dad got in a fight with one of my brothers and threw him out of a second store window and almost killed him. I can remember when my dad got the DTs and started shooting a gun out of the back window of our house. I can think back and I can think of some pretty tough memories. And I also remember the night in October 1968 when we got a phone call at our house that my brother had just been killed in a car accident. He was a senior at college. My dad was out drinking that night. Dr. Jerry Falwell went out and found my dad that night and shared the gospel with him. And my dad became a new creation in Christ. You know what happened to my dad? He changed. Amen. You know, when you become a Christian, there ought to be some change. Amen. You become a new creation in Jesus Christ. And there should be some change. And I saw my dad begin to change. And I choose to remember the good memories. Instead of those bad memories. And I begin to realize that the only people that can expect perfect parents are perfect children. And I don't think we've got any here today. My dad left my mom all by herself. She moved to Richmond, Virginia and lived in a little apartment there near my sister's. And I remember a few years later I was preaching a revival meeting up near Richmond, Virginia. And 
I thought I'll stop by and bless mom. What I mean by that is I was going to stop by and eat with her. Really, I was going to bless me. I mean, because she would fix fried chicken, mashed potatoes, a real kind, not that fake kind. She would fix my favorite dessert, pecan pie with a big old scoop of vanilla ice cream on it. I mean, that's good. Amen? And I was there eating that meal. I thought, how can I lavish love on mom? How can I show mom how much I love her? And I looked over at mom and I said, listen, mom, I'm going to be doing a revival meeting about 40, 50 miles from here in a church. And why don't you come over and go to the revival meeting with me? You stay in the motel with me. And I thought, I'll spend a couple days with her. It's going to be a great opportunity just to show her how much I loved her. She said, oh, I'd love to go. And I said, well, mom, you can go on one condition. She said, well, what's that? I said, I want you to promise me one thing. She said, what do you want me to promise you? I said, we get in that church. If a pastor asks you to say anything, you got to promise me you won't call me Sammy and you can go. She said, oh, I promise I won't do that. Had a wonderful service on Sunday. Monday night came and my mom was sitting right over here. And the preacher looked at mom and said, Miss Wood, it's so good to have you tonight. Would you like to say something? My mom stood up. She turned around. She looked at everybody in the church and she said, I just want to let you know I'm so proud of Sammy. And I just shook my head. A few years later, my mom turned 80 years old and we were going to have a birthday celebration, all the kids and grandkids. And we had planned this several months ahead and somehow the date got changed and my schedule was in conflict with it. I didn't get to go. So a few weeks later... We were living in Charlotte, North Carolina then. I got my wife and my boys. We got in our station wagon and we headed up the interstate to Richmond, Virginia to spend a few days to celebrate my mother's 80th birthday and to love her. We went out to some nice places to eat, spent some wonderful times with her. And the time came as it always does when you have to leave. And I'll never forget, Debbie went up to my mom, hugged her around the neck, kissed her on the cheek, told her she loved her, and went out and sat in the car. My four sons... Went up and hugged their grandmother around the neck and gave her a kiss on the cheek and told her how much they loved her. And they went out and sat in the car. And I was left standing in that little foyer all alone with my mom. And she did something that she usually did, but I usually prepared myself pretty well for it. You say, preacher, what's that? She began to cry. She always cried when I left. But I usually prepared myself for that. But this day, when my mom cried, I cried. Holy Spirit of God just overwhelmed me and said, you know, that's a precious little lady right there. I said, yes, God, she is. When your dad was out drinking and all of y'all were little, Holy Spirit reminded me my mom would get up in the morning and she would fix lunch, have it on the table, so that when we got home from church, even though my dad didn't go to church, he demanded the lunch be on the table to be ready when we got home. And she'd dress all of us kids and She'd walk us across town to church to make sure we were in church. I was reminded of all the sacrificial acts my mom did through all the years to keep our family together. And that day when the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, I agreed. I said, God, she is such a precious, precious lady. And I put my arms around her neck and she put her arms around my neck and we cried on each other's shoulder. And she said something to me that day that I always cherish and I'll never forget. She whispered in my ear. She said, Sammy, she said, I want you to know I know how much you love me. And I thought to myself, praise God. I don't have to wonder if Mama knows how much I love her. She said, I know how much you love me. I wonder this morning. 
if your mom and dad are still alive, if you've lavished so much love on them that they know how much you love them. Folks, listen, it doesn't take a whole lot of time to write a little card, share a memory with your mom and dad that was special in your life and send it to them in the mail. And listen, when they read it, they won't just read it and throw it in the trash can. They'll put it in the refrigerator where you can put a magnet on it. Amen? And they'll read it day after day after day after day. It doesn't take a whole lot of time to give a call to mom and dad and just tell them how much you love them. Just remind them of how special they are to you. There's an old saying, dead noses smell no roses. A lot of us here today, our parents are passed away. My mom and dad are both in heaven now. A lot of you, you say, preacher, I wish I could see my mom and dad just like you said. My mom and dad are passed away. But you may be here today and you say, preacher, my mom and dad are still alive. My grandmother and grandfather are still alive. And God is reminding you this morning of what a wonderful opportunity you have to lavish love on them. And just let them know how much you love them. Well, if I had time this morning, I could go back to the Old Testament and talk about a son or daughter who was rebellious toward their parents and they wouldn't repent of it. They would take them to the gates of the city and they would stone them to death. Again, that's how serious this is. This thing of honor is to God. I believe if most Americans live the way they're living today and live back in that day, I believe the majority of Americans would never live to see another sunrise because of dishonoring their father and mother. Folks, listen, we honor our father and mother by the life we live. What kind of life are you living? By the loads we lift, we honor them by the love that we're lavishing toward them. I want you to bow your heads. Heads about eyes are closed this morning. As you go to the Lord in prayer this morning, I want to ask you this morning, maybe you're here today and you say, Preacher, when you talked about somebody who's dishonoring to their parents, God put his finger on my heart. The Holy Spirit showed me that I need to get a relationship right with a mom or dad. It may be a relationship right with someone else. You say, Preacher, pray for me before you close. Heads about eyes are closed. I'll not embarrass you. I'll not come to you and I'll point you out. You say, Preacher, pray for me. I need to get a relationship right with my father and mother, grandmother, grandfather. Maybe it's your son or daughter or someone else. You say, Preacher, pray for me. Again, I'm not embarrassed. I won't come to you. I just want to pray for you. Heads about eyes are closed. Would you lift your hand let me pray for you this morning? Is that you? Thank you. I see three, four, five, six hands. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Anyone else here this morning? Yes, sir, I see your hand. Anyone else here this morning? Probably eight or ten hands raised here today. You say, I need to get that right with one of my parents. I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and God has forgiven me. And in the same way, I need to forgive mom and dad, whatever they did. I need to forgive them. Maybe you hear this morning, you say, Preacher, I don't know that kind of forgiving love, that love you talked about where Jesus died for me on the cross, for my sins. I don't know. I've never experienced the love of Christ. I've never asked Christ to forgive me of my sins, to take control of my life, to be Lord of my life, master of my life. I've never trusted in Him through faith as my Savior. You say, Preacher, today, if you're going to pray for those who are not sure, they're really not sure they're saved, I want you to pray for me. Heads about, eyes are closed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't come to you. I just want to pray for you before we close. If that's you here this morning, would you let me pray for you this morning? Would you raise your hand? 
I'm not sure I'm a Christian. I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. Thank you, young man. Thank you, ma'am. God sees your hand. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for these who raised their hands. Many raised their hands this morning. Lord, in this congregation, said, yes, I need to reconcile a relationship. I need to get a relationship right with a mom or dad, grandmother, grandfather, son or daughter, maybe a brother or sister in Christ. And I pray, God. Oh, Father, help this not be a fleeting moment. Help this not just be a time of hearing this and doing nothing. God, if that person is in the auditorium here today, I pray, God, they go to that person's invitation and they would start that process of reconciliation. Lord, if they need to go home and make a call or drive across town, Father, I pray they'd do that. And Father, I pray for several who raised their hands this morning and said, Yes, I've never settled it in my life. I don't know the love of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that they would understand, Father, what a sinner they are and how desperately they need a Savior. They need to be rescued from their sin. But, Lord, you have sent your Son to die in their place for their sin on the cross at Calvary and shed his blood that if they will trust in him as their Savior, in him alone, if they will through faith call out upon your name and ask you to save them, that you will this morning. So, Father, I pray for these who are not sure they're saved. I pray for their salvation. Do that work, I pray, in every heart, every home here today. Have you may be convicting us. It may be those here today that need to confess and repent of sin. Those here today that say, yes, you know, I need to lavish more love. I need to lighten the load. Father, whatever the need may be, I pray that you would work in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, I want us to stand. And I want to just have our heads bowed and eyes closed just for a minute, if we could. And... Pianist is going to play a song of invitation. And if you would like to this morning, if you'd like to come and make this altar here this morning, a prayer altar, maybe you raised your hands. Many of you did this morning. Maybe you just want to come and say, God, help me to have the wisdom I need to reconcile this relationship with mom or dad. God, help me to reconcile a relationship with a son or daughter, brother, sister in Christ. God, help me. You may be here this morning. You say, Preacher, I raised my hand. I'm not sure I'm saved. You may want to step out of your seat right now. And maybe come and let the pastor talk to you. Somebody talk to you about how you might really have an understanding of how you might know Christ as Savior here this morning. The most important thing in your life. That's the most important thing. That's what I did when I was 13 years old in a church just like this one. The Holy Spirit of God showed me I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I, I left that pew and went to the front and somebody took a Bible and clearly showed me how I might know Christ. Maybe that's a need here this morning. Folks, I know you can do business in your seat. You can, you can confess and repent of sin. You can go to that person in the building. I want to tell you, I know this church is a loving church. Your brothers and sisters in Christ love you and care for you. If you need to come and pray, this pianist is praying. If you'd like to do that, you come and pray. We just want to give you an open invitation. God is speaking to your heart. Just step out and come. play one more stanza of invitation. I'm going to turn it back over to the pastor.
If you're here today, you're not sure you're saved, would you seek one of us out? After the service, let us talk to you about how you might settle that. Maybe right now in your seat, you just want to call upon the name of the Lord through faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior. And cry out to Him, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Folks, I pray as we close out this service, heads about eyes are closed, I pray that if you raise your hand this morning, you need to reconcile a relationship. If you would do that, you'd follow through with that. May God help you do that. Why don't we sing, My Jesus, I Love Thee. It's page 31 if you need the words. My Jesus, I love Thee. I know Thou Christ is your Savior. Your love for Him ought to cause you to want to serve Him and grow that love in greater capacities. We have a great God who's forgiven us. Amen to that. And when we do wrong, when we do wrong, it ought to grieve our hearts. I am afraid, my friends, that today we can sin and just have a half-hearted repentance. May God help us. God speaks to our heart that we deal with what He's dealing with our hearts. The first service, uh, God dealt with my heart. And I'm telling you, that is so, so important. And I plan to do some things about it, not just leave it here at this service, but make sure that we take care of that person that comes, parent or a family member or neighbor or whatever, you go take care of it. You know, it's interesting, Brother Wood. This week, my neighbor of 33 years passed away. And we've loved on that neighbor, and we've had opportunity to share our faith with our neighbor and everything. And through the course of events, though, uh, one person came to us this week and had held a grudge for 35 years. And this week asked forgiveness. And truly, we had an opportunity to hug on each other's neck and ask forgiveness for each and to take care of something that was laboring there and and uh, causing such defeat in a person's life. May God help us to forgive. Uh, is it the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, forgive as uh, He will forgive us as we forgive others. May God help us with that. Amen. I think we can do a little bit better with our love for others and uh, one another. Amen. Well, if God spoke to your heart, just make sure you go out and take care of it properly. I want to encourage you in that. And, and all, and there's some books on the back table back there uh, that follow along with some of the things that have been mentioned. And Brother Wood, why don't you just explain some of those books? Let me just mention real quickly: uh, "Choosing Forgiveness" by Nancy DeMoss is an awesome book, and better understanding forgiveness. And maybe you see, say, preacher, I, I just get angry easy sometimes, and I don't know why people do. And this is the best book on anger that I have read. It's very, very helpful. 
uh, humility. I talked about humility this morning. We, folks, listen, we will not experience revival until we see that we become humble. Amen? And uh, we need to, that needs to be our prayer. And, and the little booklet, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller, is an awesome, awesome little book. How can I be so absorbed in the Lord Jesus Christ that I will forget about myself and uh, turn to God? It, it's a great little booklet. And then our book, What is Marriage, is available on Kindle. Our couple's devotional book that came out uh, about a year and a half ago, Time for Three, it's a devotion for husbands and wives for every day of the year. It's a devotion you can read. Debbie and I wrote this, and you can get that back there. It's available also, and I think it would be a blessing to you. And uh, there's also some other books back there. When God Writes Your Love Story, it's for young people, a biblical approach to relationships. If you're single and you're not married, this is a really needful book. It's a very helpful book. If you've got children that are single, looking toward relationships, this will be helpful. Stop asking Jesus into your heart. What is, that's a diff, very different title of a book. Uh, but J.D. Greer is really trying to help people that have some time in their life, maybe prayed a prayer, uh, asking Christ to forgive them, but they don't have assurance of their salvation. Many times they'll pray that prayer over and over and over again. And this is to help you really know for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Very good book, very helpful a lot of books on parenting I mentioned in the conference this weekend, Shepherding a Child's Heart. If you've got young children, Age of Opportunity, it, it's as, if, you're, if you've got teenagers in your home, this is a must-read for you. This will be the most helpful book you'll ever read to help you with your teenagers. Very good. Training Hearts, Teaching Minds is two years of devotions that you can have, or daily devotions as a family with your children to teach them the Word of God. These, this is a great, great book. Folks, let me just say, I've read hundreds of books to recommend these. I know these books are biblical. I know they're helpful. I wouldn't recommend them. They're very, very good books. Jesus Storybook Bible, excellent book for you to read stories with your children. Every story is pointing them to their need to be rescued from their sin, and that's their greatest need. Uh, every, uh, everything a child should know about God is a systematic theology book for children, three to six years old. It's very, very good, very, very exciting. We are on Facebook and Twitter, and I've got bookmarks out there, 10 Keys, uh, to Raising Godly Children. They're on the table over here. If you want to pick those up, they're free. There's an email sign-up sheet up out there. If you want to get on our email list to get family articles that are helpful, that's free if you want to sign up that. And we also have an online premarital training program, Preparing for Partnership. If you're interested in that, you're getting married, know somebody it is, you might want to check that out. Ask us about that in the back. Thank you so much. Don't miss tonight. We'll have a great service tonight. Amen? Amen. And thank you so much for coming this morning, Pastor. Thank you.